Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Grace City Church podcast. If you would like more info on our church, you can visit gracecityboston.com. Now let's get to the sermon. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? <laughs> I mean, I can just, the love is radiating in my direction. Uh, my name is Brian. If I don't know you, I uh, am the lead pastor here at Grace City. So uh, thanks so much for being here. Uh, this morning, we're honored that you would uh, that you would be here and that you'd be a part of um, be a part of our church uh, in this way. Uh, we're in a series uh, that we've entitled "Spiritual Formation," and really, we've been looking at uh, really seeking to answer the question uh, both collectively together as a church and individually. Hopefully, you're asking this question: uh, Who am I becoming? What am I being formed into? Um, what, what, by what I participate in, uh, by the habits that I develop, by the community that I'm around, um, we're really kind of asking the question of what are all of these things forming me and making me into? Any, any kind of responsible um, adult, any kind of responsible, anyone who's just saying, hey, I want to uh, handle my Christian discipleship and handle my Christian formation in a responsible way, should be asking those questions. What am I being made into by what I do, by what I expose myself to, by the habits that I daily participate in, by the the friendships that I have, the community that I have? And so we've been trying to answer that question of what does it mean to uh, be spiritually formed in a way that is healthy. And so the first few weeks, we kind of looked at the various habits, or maybe you call them uh, spiritual disciplines. So this is prayer and scripture and Sabbath. Um, this could be fasting and giving and meditating. It could be silence and solitude. Um, all of these kind of various habits that we've been called into, that Jesus did, and that we've been called to participate together. The next little section of what we consider Christian disciple or, or spiritual formation uh, is community. And so we looked at these kind of really beautiful metaphors that God gives us in the scriptures to his church. And so the church is referred to the body of Christ, and we all have a gift set. The church is referred to the family of God. So each of us are to consider one another brothers and sisters in this work. Uh, the, the church is considered a, a nation, so we're, we're citizens of a different kingdom. We're in the kingdom of God, not necessarily the, not solely the kingdom of the world, but the kingdom of God. We are citizens inside of that. And now this third part of spiritual formation, so we have habits, community, and now we're in mission. So we believe that you're formed, right? You can judge your spiritual formation or you can kind of survey how you're doing um, from the habits you're participating in. The community, that, the, the community in which uh, you're in and how you're operating in that community, as you think about the church, and mission. What does that mission essentially look like? And so last week, uh, David uh, started us out um, with this idea of what is mission? What is What does it mean to mission? And we define it this way in two ways. We said that mission is, like our, our goal as a people, is to see God worshiped. Now that's more than just singing music on a Sunday, right? Um, God being worshiped is seen as most valuable, most treasured, most admired, right? This is what it means to worship God. And the second thing that we said that are the, 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 what the mission is essentially is to see people, created people flourish as individuals. This is it, that we see God worship and that we see people flourish as individuals. Now, you can't really, uh, honestly, you can't really separate these two things, right? We see all throughout Scripture 
that the scripture says, Jesus says, right, you, you love God and you love neighbor. You worship God and you care for neighbor. This is what it means to uh, mission, to be a missioning church and be a missioning people. Now, one of the things that tends to happen for whatever reason, and, and one of the reasons this is important to talk about, is in, in the history of the church, we have the tendency to turn inward, don't we? Like we, we as a church, we like just big church, have a tendency to kind of go inside or go inward and and for whatever there's all kinds of various reasons that we type we tend to do this we're it's like we're scared of the world or we're scared of the influence of the world or we don't want you know culture coming in and, and whatever whatever and so we have a tendency to go inward and when we go inward when we just primarily are inward people and we'll talk about caring for one another that's a part of what it means to mission when we do that we're, we're missing a significant part of what it means to be a missioning people when we do that, it is both inward, um, and uh, it's both inward and uh, outward. This is um, the the work that we're doing, and so uh, I want to talk about today. I want to essentially talk about. So last week, David talked about the why of mission, why we mission. I want to talk about the where of mission. What is the where of mission? Um, so when I was a teenager, we we got involved in a, a small church in the community that I grew up in in Georgia. And uh, it was called Friendship Baptist Church. And the tagline was, more than just a name. You like that? Okay, so um, Friendship Baptist Church, more than just a name. All right, so in case you were wondering, it's more than just a name. All right, so uh, so we got really connected. There was a youth pastor there that um, was really influential in my kind of spiritual formation development um, as, a, as a teenage kid. And so uh, if you don't know anything about youth group, it was kind of like this mixture of like fun and, and they would have food and it's typically Papa John's, right? And so we would we'd have like all kinds of stuff that we were doing and it would be a ton of fun and we'd play, you know, silly games and there would be music and all types of things. Well, another element of that is we would go kind of on weekend uh, weekend retreats, and we would also go on like mission trips as well. And so I, I can specifically remember one. So I was a sophomore in high school, and we're going on this event called Pathfinders, right? Do you know what a Pathfinder is? It is one who finds a path. So, um, so it's, you know, you're, you're working to find a path. So we're going to this event called Pathfinders. And let me just kind of, it's kind of like an evangelistic conference for teenagers, right? Maybe you've been in a city when this happens. And it's super annoying. So, um, so anyways, no, it's good. It's good. It's a good thing. Uh, so, so we all descend upon this city. So we're, we, we're, doing our, this, uh, we're doing this evangelistic event in Knoxville, Tennessee. I think, I guess the promoters thought Knoxville, Tennessee needed more. So, uh, so we're all, we've come down, we've descended on the city. And this is the way that it would work. So I'll work back, I'll work night to morning. So at nighttime, we would have a, a, a teaching, they would bring a dynamic teacher in, we would have some worship, and there would be all this kind of like, uh, you know, hype up worship. And then they would have an after party after the worship. Do you know what I mean? It would be like, they call it like nightlife or something. And they would bring in someone like Audio Adrenaline, DC Talk, like most of you have no idea who I'm talking about, News, Newsboys. It was like, just Google them. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google them. It was amazing. Audio Adrenaline had a song called Father's House. And it was amazing. It was a kicker. All right, so um, as the kids say, all right, so so we'd have this. You know, we'd all be jacked up. So then this is what would happen. So then the morning would come. We'd have a little bit of training in the morning, kind of like pep talk in the morning, kind of get you up, kind of morning coaching thing. And we had some some training that we would do, but pre pre trip, we would work through like the Romans Road and all these kind of evangelistic tools that we get to. So this is how the day would go. So they would we would gather and then they would send us out into the city. 
So you have to picture this for a second. So I'm a sophomore. So I'm a 15-year-old, 14-year-old kid. And I'm out with my friends roaming the streets of Knoxville, Tennessee. This is how it would go. We were supposed to go door to door and share the gospel with people. So this is exactly how we go. It'd be like this. And they're like, we'd be like, so there's like a cruise. Our adult would stay at the road because they were too scared to do it. So anyways, um, so we'd be like, so we knock on the door and it's like, okay, I don't think they heard us, right? And so you start going quickly. You're like, no, no, I think knock a little harder. And you're like, oh, no, I think they're gone, man. I don't think they're here. We should go the next one, right? Okay, so say someone answers. So we knock on the door. Someone opens the door, right? So I, here's some dude in his pajamas reading the New York Times. And now he has three teenagers in front of him, right? Who are going to share the gospel with him. And so he would open the door. And we had to have a little spill that we would say. And we're like, you know, so say it was my turn. So we've been arguing because none of us want to do it. But so we've been arguing. But now we've landed on the one who's going to do it. And, and, and so they open the door. And they're, he's like, you know, looks confused. Or he's trying to keep his dog away or what. You know what I'm saying. You've, maybe you've been in this environment before. Um, so, so there's no way. And, and, and I'll be like this. Hey, my name is Brian. Um, and... We're just out in the town, and um, uh, do you, whew, it's hot out here. Uh, do you know hell's even hotter? Does that, how's that feel, right? And so it was like this, like, crazy, you know, so you're just trying to do whatever, you know what I mean? He's, like, unsuspecting. He's in his pajamas. And so it, it was, like, it was this really interesting thing as like a teenage kid. And, and it was like, so for a long time, that was like the picture that I had for missioning. What it meant to mission was like knocking on doors or, or maybe it's like going overseas somewhere. This is what it means to be a people who mission. That, that um, what we, we would say we're missioning to person X. And we'll, we'll look at a graph here in a second so that'll hopefully make a little more sense. But it was kind of this person X type of missioning. That I'm going to go to a stranger that I don't know, right? And I'm going to sit down at the, you know, whatever, the bench or whatever, and I'm going to start talking to him about the day, and then I'm going to transition that thing to gospel, and then they're going to pray to receive Christ. That's like person mentioning. And there's nothing, wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, people legitimately come to know Christ through that, that method and through that way. I, I just want to mention that and just say that, that that tends to be the primary way in which we think about missioning or we've traditionally thought about missioning and I just don't think that's the most effective way. And, and so what I want to talk about is missioning through our relational networks. And what does that actually mean to mission through the relational networks uh, that we have? So let's do this. Let's look at the call that um, that we read in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21, and then we'll dive into looking at the, the um, relational networks that we have. So starting in verse 18, I'm going to start in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 5. This is what Paul says. He says, everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has now given us the ministry of reconciliation. So this is what Paul is calling missioning. He's saying he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, verse 19. That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He has committed, so that Greek word for committed, it could be committed, it could be appointed, it could be deposited to. He's deposited to us the message of reconciliation. He's given this over to us, given us this responsibility. Verse 20, therefore, 
Anytime, and this is what we're taught in Bible school and seminary, right? Anytime you see a therefore in the Bible, you always ask what it's there for. So he says, so therefore, since God has reconciled us to himself and now given us the ministry of reconciliation, therefore, we are what? We are now ambassadors for Christ. So our response to being reconciled to God and given the ministry of reconciliation is now that we are ambassadors, for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, right? See God as good. See him in clarity. See him as sovereign. See him as seated high above. Be reconciled. See him as one who loves you. Be reconciled to God. Verse 20, he made, verse 21, he made the one, Jesus, who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Paul says, what are you? Paul says, you are an ambassador. I am an ambassador. Anyone who says they're a follower of Christ, a Christian, someone living the way of Jesus, is now an ambassador. Well, what is an ambassador? And so an ambassador is someone who's what? Who's who's a representation of someone else, right? Is a diplomat representing another country. This is what an ambassador is. And so Paul says, because you've been now given this ministry of reconciliation, your life is no longer your life. The way that you talk is not primarily about you. The the way that you interact in your interpersonal uh, relationships is not primarily about you. It's not a representation primarily of you. The way you spend your money is not uh, uh, primarily saying something about you. The way that you um, engage in relationships is not primarily saying something about you. Like, you are an ambassador. Now, actually, all of these in all of these realms of your life, you're now saying, this is what a God in heaven values. Because I'm one who's in the kingdom of God. This is what it means to be an ambassador. And so he says, we've been given this responsibility because we've been reconciled and brought close to God. This has been put on us. This is what Jesus meant in Matthew 28, uh, 19 and 20. This is traditionally thought of as um, traditionally thought of as a great commission. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've given them, right? And I'll be with you. It is, a, it is, a, is a, a going, it is a call to be ambassadors is exactly what Jesus is laying out. Okay, let's look at and think about this idea of missioning through our relational network. So we know we have a call on us. We know that we're called to be ambassadors. How is this going to work or where do we do this work? Go ahead and throw that graph up. Um, so th- this is concentric circles of influence, essentially. So here's what I want us to think about this morning. Um, so we have self, family, friends, neighbors, acquaintances, and person X, right? So the story that I opened with was person X. This is kind of, a, this person's on the, the far outside of our influence. As we think about our concentric circle of influence, person X is there. Now, here's what was always interesting. So um, I did college ministry for a long time before we moved here. Uh, I did student ministry before that and been involved in all kinds of various uh, types of ministry um, for a long time. And here's what was always so fascinating to me is I would have teenagers or college students or even adults, young adults, whatever, wherever on the spectrum, it didn't really matter, that would, they were 
all, they were just game for going overseas to share the gospel. Like, sign me up. I'll raise the money. I'll do the thing. I'm going to go away for a week. Uh, I'll do that. So I'll go to a third world country or I'll go somewhere where we need to say the gospel. And, and there was like this eagerness to go, to go mission overseas. Maybe that, maybe that was you, right? Now, what was funny is I knew all the people that were signing up that were involving themselves in this kind of mission trip, this missioning trip, right? And I would see over and over and over again an incredible amount of passion and willingness to go overseas, but not a passion and willingness to go across the street, to go to their neighbor. Like, I don't have college students, like, we're fired up, we're going, I'm doing the thing, I'm making the crafts, I'm ready to share the gospel, I'm whatever, 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 and their dorm mate, their roommate, has no idea they're a Christian. No idea. We'll go across the world, but we won't go across the street. We'll, we'll jump on a plane and go across the world, but we won't go across the hall. And, and I just want to say, because none of those things are, like person X evangelism and, and person X uh, missioning is not wrong. I just want to point out the, the irony that we have a whole lot of other relationships between here and person X. And I think it's a much more effective use of our time if we begin to think about these concentric circles of influence in the role in which we're playing in all of these people, both worshiping God and flourishing as individuals. See that? Now, um, uh, if, if you've been here at, at all, um, well, no, let me, let me say this, and then I'll dive into, we'll, we'll see what Jesus is going to say about these things and, and those who are leaders in these things. Um, but, but I do want to make this point before we dive in. Missioning, because I, I, I want to, make sure I'm really clear on this. Missioning is not just primarily about evangelism. Missioning is also a call to ensure that God is worshiped and we flourish as brothers and sisters. And I mentioned on the front this inward focus versus outward focus, right? There, there is like, we are called to care and love for one another as brothers and sisters. Like there's a, a huge need for that especially as we think about our context in Boston, like we should be caring for one another. We should be able to lean on one another and find support in one another. Like missioning is, is not simply um, just about evangelism and taking the gospel. It's, it's about making sure um, that, that we're flourishing. I mean, if you think about that Matthew 28 call, when Jesus says, go and make disciples, that is a continuous call. Discipleship is not a one-time event. It is teaching, right? It's caring. It's a continuous thought of we should be helping one another be formed more and more and more into disciples of Jesus, more and more teaching. Uh, Paul actually says, he's writing to the church at Galatia. So Galatians um, 6, verses 9 he says this, uh, it's Galatians 6, 9. He says, let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we do not give up. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all. Now, hear what he says here. Especially for those who belong to the household of faith. So Paul makes mention of, in the early church, hey, make sure that you're taking care of one another inside of the household of faith. Make sure that you're doing that. And so there's a type of, um, there's a type of, of missioning that happens both outward and inward. Okay, 
Let's look at this relational network that we see. Um, it, this won't surprise you that, that Jesus is a master at this and that followers of Jesus as well, following his example, actually do this really well. They follow this kind of inward to outward type of process. So a couple of scriptures here, I'll read them. Uh, so uh, John chapter 1, 35 through 42. John 1, 35 through 42. It says, the next day, John, this is John the Baptist, uh, was standing with two of his disciples. So John had decided, Jesus having disciples wasn't a new thing. So John the Baptist had disciples. Verse 36, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Verse 39, Jesus said, come and you'll see, he replied. So they went, they saw where he was staying. They stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Verse 40, look at verse 40, look what happens. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two of John's disciples' disciples who heard John and followed him. Verse 41, he first found what? So what was the first thing that Andrew did? The text tells us he first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah, and he brought Simon to Jesus. This is Simon Peter. Now, what do we know happens? It becomes an incredible early follower of Jesus. And he came to Jesus through his brother, Andrew. Andrew just went and got him. Kick on down to verse 43 of John 1, 43, this, this continual working of relational network. It says, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip, and he told him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathaniel says something he'll regret. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come and see, Philip says. Then Jesus saw Nathanael uh, coming toward him and said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He said, how do you know me? He said, verse 48, Jesus said, before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree and I saw you. He answered him, verse 49, Rabbi. Nathaniel replied, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So again, we, we have inside this relational network, we have this, this moment where Philip has now been called to follow Jesus, and he goes and gets his friend in verse 45, and he says, you got to see Jesus. We've got him. He's here. It wasn't person X. It was his friend, uh, the woman at the well. This is in John chapter 4, if you know this story at all, that, that, that there's a woman at the well, and Jesus is coming to her. He's sharing the gospel with her. He's breaking down these kind of cultural, um, uh, cultural barriers, these cultural norms, he shares the gospel with her. He, he tells her about her life. He says, I've got good news for you. And then John 4, verse 28, it says, Then the woman left her water jar. She went into the town. So she went back to where she was from, told the people, Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? It says they left the town and made their way to him. So her call was she left, goes to the city where she's from, begins to share the gospel, uh, John 40, uh, John chapter 4, 39, it says, Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him. Why did they believe in him? Because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me everything I ever did. In verse 42, skip now verse 42, it says, And they told the woman, We no longer believe because of what you said, since we've heard for ourselves and know that this is really the Savior of the world. See that? It's through this relational network. 
that we're seeing. A couple of the verses, I won't read them, but in Acts 20, 20, um, Paul is describing to, to the, the elders at Ephesus. He's saying, we proclaim the message of Christ publicly, publicly from house to house. These people were moving from their houses, chilling with other people, their neighbors, people were in close proximity. Acts chapter 20, Cornelius, he's a Gentile. He comes to know uh, Christ. He invites Peter in to preach to him. He invites his whole family into here. Acts chapter 16, 22 to 30, Paul and Silas are in prison in Philippi. They, they are singing and doing remarkable things. The, their prison gates open. The jailer's about to kill himself. They stop him. They say, no, actually, God cares about you. He loves you. What does the jailer do? He takes them home. And what happens? They share the gospel with his family. It says they're baptized. They're saved. Luke chapter 8, verse 39, Jesus casts out demons from uh, a man who has been plagued by demon possession for a very long time. And do you know what Jesus says to him? Jesus heals, casts the demons out of him. And then Jesus doesn't say to him, follow me, now you'll be a follower. Follow me, now you'll be a disciple. He says, hey, here's what I want you to do. Take the freedom that I just gave you and go back to your hometown and tell them that the Messiah is here, that Jesus is here. See that? It's the power of the relational network all throughout the scriptures. Again, person X is not wrong. Person X missioning is not wrong. I'm just not sure it's the, the primary way in which we should be focusing our time on, right? So we see this um, all throughout the scripture. Okay, throw that graphic back up for a moment. So here's the thing. So we're, if we're supposed to move from self um, out, what, key, what essentially keeps us from doing that? Because if, if at least in my um um, at least in my experience talking with people, even in my own life in particular, this family, friends, neighbors, acquaintances is really difficult. This type of missioning is hard. And so I want to talk about there's three, essentially three barriers that will keep us from working inward to outward. That'll keep us from working in the way in which they are. Here's the three barriers. There's fear, there's broken relationships, and there's comfort. Fear, Broken relationships and comfort. So let's break these three down for a moment. So number one, fear. There's two types of fear that keep us moving from friends, families, neighbors, acquaintances. There, there's the first one is the fear of rejection. Just straight up. I'm fearful that if I share the way of Jesus with them, if I mission to them, they will reject that. That's a legitimate fear. It's, it's so legitimate that in Luke 10... Uh, in verse 16, that Jesus says to his earlier followers, whoever listens to you listens to me, whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. See, Jesus is addressing that. He, he's like, hey, I get that that's a fear. Just so you know, if they reject the missioning, if they reject the message that you bring, it's not a rejection of you, although it feels that way, it's actually a rejection of of me, and even at a deeper level, it's a rejection of a God in heaven who sent me. It's just like, dude, we're all getting rejected. That's what he's saying to him. He's saying, I, I, I get that. They're, they're rejecting you. See, Jesus, like in the end, Jesus isn't handing off the missioning to us so that he can go do something more important. Jesus is actually just inviting us into the missioning that he was already doing. He's saying, hey, come alongside of me and, and experience this missioning together. Like, experience the 
the in a lot of ways, just like do experience the rejection that Jesus experienced. I mean, think about that for a moment. Didn't Jesus experience the ultimate type of rejection? Like Jesus' rejection took him to the cross. I mean, this is the gospel. Like, isn't it true that the rejection that Jesus experienced actually enables us when we get rejected to not fall into despair? Like if it wasn't for Jesus' rejection that he experienced and the, the, the victory that follows that, that rejection, right? Because the cross didn't, it didn't end there. Resurrection came, resurrection happened, new life happened. But if that didn't happen, if you rejected me or you rejected the mission, the, the, the missioning that I'm bringing, the message that I'm bringing, I could fall into despair, but I don't have to because Jesus experienced the ultimate form of rejection. It enables us. There's a fear of rejection. There's a fear of failure. Dude, what if I just totally jack this thing up? You know? Like, what, if I, what if I go to my lost neighbor and I'm like, just I, I don't know I don't know all the answers and I don't have any more clarity and I you know it's like like they're not probably not gonna get you know push any further from God by your like the comfort that if you're trying to muddle through like a real genuine love for God and care for them like it's not they're not gonna be like, you know they're not gonna get further down the line there the idea is just like hey here's how here's how God changed me here's how like it, it's not about a, a perfection of words or a formula that we're moving forward. It's about a willingness to be obedient to what um, God has called us to. Um, what there's there's a there's a store a parable that when I think about fear, this particular kind of fair, uh, parable gives me a tremendous amount of hope. So this you can I'm not going to read it, but in Matthew 13, Jesus it's called the parable of the sower, and Jesus tells this parable to those who are following, and this is how the story goes. A parable is just a creative story that Jesus gives um, because he's a master teacher, right? And so he gives this story to, to talk about some gospel truth. And he just says this. He says, listen, you're to be a people like the sower. You sow, um, you sow gospel seeds indiscriminately. You're sowing these things. And he says, listen, this is what's going to happen. He says, some of those seeds are going to fall on, on hard, uh, difficult ground, and they're going to be scorched. Some of these seeds are going to fall among the thorns, and they're going to be choked out by the trials of life. Some of these seeds are going to fall in healthy soil, and they're going to take root, and it's going to go. Some are going to fall just on ground that they just can never take root. What is he saying in that moment? He's saying your responsibility when it comes to missioning, your responsibility is not the fruit. Your responsibility is just the, the act of missioning. So the fear is legitimate. I get it. I feel it. I sense it. But the parable of the sower says, Man, my responsibility is not to, um, not to be overcome with anxiety and fear over whether the message takes or not. It's just to, to get the message. But, but we have that fear. We, we have a fear of doing that. The, the second reason, so fear is number one. Um, the second barrier that's in front of us uh, is broken relationships. Some of you, um, I know this is true because I know your background. I don't know all of your background. But some of you have a tremendous amount of hurt and trauma from your family. And when you look at that graph, and when you hear me say that the gospel moves along relational lines, you have a 
unbelievable amount of hurt from a parent, right? From a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister. And you have just decided because of that broken relationship, you've just decided, you know what? I don't want to do that. That's going to take too much work on my behalf and they don't deserve it. And your past hurt is a barrier to missioning among your family. It's a barrier to missioning among your friend group. It's a barrier to missioning from, uh, among your neighbors, right? You just say, I'm not going to do it because it's, it's, it's calling too much of me. I'll, I'll go to a certain level, but, but I'm not going to do that. They don't deserve that. So, some of you um, have a tremendous amount of guilt. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't mission, like, I, I can't mission. I have too much guilt. Like, they, they, um, they know too much about me. They know too much about my past. The way that I've talked in front of them, the way that I've navigated in relationships among them. Like, I've got too much guilt to, to, to mission among them to love them, to care for them. Like, I, I, don't, I don't want to do it. I can't do it. I've been disqualified from doing it. I think this comes from a personal place, just so you know. I think one of the number one um, weapons of the enemy, one of the number one weapons of the enemy is to say to God's people, because of your past life or because of your past actions, you are now disqualified from missioning on behalf of God. You're disqualified from that. I, I in my own personal life, have had to do a tremendous amount of work uh, of getting over the shame and guilt that I feel. And in doing legitimate work to work through that barrier so that I can now... Um, uh, uh, mission well among my neighbors, my family, my friends, among my kids. Dude, parenting is the most like humbling work on the face of the earth. Over and over again, I've had to say to my, my kids, my daughters, like I'm so short-tempered with you. Like I'm sorry. Like I'm 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 trying to show the way of Jesus to you, and I'm losing my head in this moment. Like I'm I like over and over again had to work through that legitimate work through that as a barrier. So it's real. This is skill is real. It's broken relationships. We have fear. We have broken relationships. The third thing is comfort. Our comfort keeps us from that. Here, do you know what happens when you out yourself as a Christian? Right? You're like, hey, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a way of Jesus. Just, you know, just like at that point, now all the people that you're in close proximity to that you have 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 now like said, hey, I'm a follower of Christ. Like that changes the, the relational dynamic. And some of you don't want that dynamic to change. Like if you say, hey, I'm a follower of Christ, that may mean, that may mean that you should stop at one beer or two beers. That, that may mean that you can no longer relationally operate in your relational circles like you have. You can't be that way towards boys. You can't be that way towards girls. Because now you've said, hey, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm an ambassador of Jesus. See, we can go, here's the thing. I can knock on a door and person X not know anything about my life. I can do that. 
I can share the gospel. I can walk through the Romans road. I can do all of that, walk away and live like a fool. And they would never know. The, the mission of Jesus isn't hurt in the life of person X because they don't know me. But dude, when you get close to people, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, when you, when you come out and you say, I'm a follower of Christ, I'm just faithfully the way of Jesus, you're, you're like, oh gosh, I gotta be a good roommate now, right? I can't slander other people now. Serious. It changes the relational dynamic. You're enjoying a type of comfort that comes with not acknowledging the fact that you follow the way of Jesus. And so you can't work from inward to outward because it would change too much for you and you enjoy your life. This is, this is what happens. It's much easier to, to be one of the guys or just be one of the girls. You, you can't do like, Say your professor knows you're a Christian. You can't do sloppy late work anymore. You can't. All right. Everyone uncomfortable? Okay, good. <laughs> Listen, not perfect work. Um, not perfect work. Just do, do your work, right, to the best that you can. Okay. Um, let's do this. Let me end here. Uh, let's talk about the stages for mission, and then um, and then we'll close this. Uh, we'll close this out. So there, I have about five or six um, stages of mission here that I want to run through. So I don't want to get into. I don't necessarily want to get into the how because Cohen will get into that next week. But um, let me let me kind of walk you through these stages that hopefully will be helpful for you as you're thinking about. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to be thinking about your relational network moving from inside to outside. Here are the different stages I want you to think about. Um, so you're in the interior, right? We've been, we've been advocating for a long time now that you should be cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus through your habits, uh, through your prayer life, through scripture, through fasting, through um, giving the way you treat your money, through, through all of these things, um, through the community, the way you're involved. Like we've been advocating that for a while. So there's a, there's a legitimate work you're doing um, with yourself in that formation. Here's the second thing I want you to do is we're thinking about these stages of mission or, or to do missioning. I want you to survey, coming out of this, I want you to survey your relationships. So I want you to sit down with a, a, a pen, paper, whatever, uh, um, whatever you have, whatever works for you. And I want you to list out your relationships and I want you to go, okay, family members, boom, 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 right? Neighbors, friends, acquaintances. And I want you to write these things out. I want you to make it like make a make a list, right? Like it, like be, help help it begin to kind of form in your head. This is the intentionality that we're called to as God's people. So you start writing these things out, making a note of these things, surveying your relationships. You'll have way more people than you anticipated you would have. third thing I want you to do is I want you to begin to work with God through prayer. So maybe you classify out these relationships and then one day a week you just take, you take family for one day, you take friends for the next day, you take neighbors for the next day, you take acquaintances for the next day, right? Acquaintances are just like that barista at the place that you know that you keep saying hey to, right? You know what I'm talking about. Like these are just the people that you know in your proximity and you just begin to pray for them by name. 
you would not believe in my own personal life, and, and there's other people here that would attest to this, there's been an unbelievable amount of opportunities that have come my way and come the way of other people just simply by praying for people. Like I'm talking about prayer for a brother that someone hasn't talked to in two years. And they started intentionally praying for them. And like two weeks later, the brother reaches out to him. Like it works. Like it's like legitimate. So begin to pray. Begin to ask God, man, will you, would you bring that person into my, my spectrum? Pray, like, I know it's going to be hard, man, but, like, pray for the dad who you, if you were honest with yourself, you hate. Pray for him. Pray for the mom, the brother, the sister. Just pray. Maybe you need to ask God just to help you pray for them. So you're, you're working with God through prayer. You're doing some of that work. Fourth thing, so you're dealing with your interior, you're surveying your relationships, you're making this list, you're working with God through prayer, and you're beginning to build bridges in these relational networks. You're beginning to build bridges. Now, I do want to say this, like start small, right? I'm not asking you to, to like get really overwhelmed. Like maybe for you, it's just picking up the phone when your mom calls, you know? Like let's start that small. Text your brother back, your sister back. Just engage and begin to engage in that relationship. I know it probably is not going to go the way that you thought, and it, it, you could probably tell me exactly how it's going to go. But just just begin to build some of these bridges. Go have coffee with a, a friend or neighbor or neighbor. Maybe it's just carrying packages up the step for your neighbor. You're doing that. You're just carrying packages up for them. You're just helping them. You're just kind of beginning again. You're beginning to build these bridges. Maybe there's a parent in your, in your, on your street or in your household and they're clearly struggling with their groceries and their packages and their kids are running all over the place and you just keep walking past them. Maybe help them. Hey, can I help you? Can I grab something? I mean, just small, right? We're just building bridges for people. We're just doing some of this work. Maybe you maybe you do like a maybe you do a really great like coffee and tea night at your place. You know, you just go around and put you put a note on the door. They're used to angry notes. This will be a nice one. You say, "Hey, we're I'm doing like a coffee tea night. If you want to come over," and you just serve like a really incredible single origin Ethiopian washed. You know what I mean? Like, don't get Duncan. Like, you're an ambassador for Christ. Don't do that to them. Don't do that to them. For the gospel, for the sake of the gospel. And you just do really great just kind of thing in that moment. You just have them over. You're just talking with them. You're starting small. You're building bridges, right? This is the, this is the work that you're doing. Maybe you put a barbecue on for your neighbors or you lead the PTA at your school. These are just building bridges. Fifth thing, you're, 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 just, you're just showing love to people. Maybe, maybe there's a single mom that you know. And, and maybe you see her struggling, and you're just like, hey, this may be super weird, and, and there's probably a lot between here and there, but like, could maybe I, do you need help watching your kids? Like, can I just help you? I've got some time and space on my hands. Like, can I just, I've done it before. Like, maybe I could just help you. Like, I don't know. Maybe there's a coworker who's lost someone close to them, and you know it. They've talked to you about it. Somebody died. Maybe you're just like, hey, can I like buy you lunch today? I know that's super weird, and, and maybe we don't really know each other. I mean, I've kind of 
um, we kind of passed it back and forth. I, I knew that you were out for a bit because you lost someone. Can I just like buy you lunch? Like no strings attached, just to like, I know you've had a hard week, man. Can I just do that for you? It's just showing love and compassion to people. Not asking you to lay out a plan of theology for them. Like just get them some food, buy them something. Maybe you're throwing a, a baby shower for a cousin who's been disowned by the family. And if you don't do it, no one else will do it. See that? Just You're just showing love for people. Maybe you know someone lost their job recently. Maybe you like heard your neighbor lost their job recently and you're just kind of checking in on them. Maybe you're dropping groceries at the door. Maybe you put some cash in an envelope and just slide under the door. Just being a people of love towards people. Just little things, not, not like huge things. Just space, priorities, things that we can do. And then the final thing, so we're building these bridges, we're showing love to people, and then we're, we're making disciples. We're actually verbally, at some point, we're actually verbally sharing the good news of Jesus to people that are close to us. We're praying for those opportunities. They show up, we step into them. It can be awkward, it can be weird, you know, a little broken, but we do it. This is the work that God's called us into. This is what it means to mission. It's intentional, right? But it is the way of Jesus. It is.